Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I'm bringing you an episode I plan to do actually quite a bit later down the line. But I had uh, a guest that had to reschedule at the last minute, and then the replacement guest had to reschedule. So I thought, you know what, this is a perfect time. I'm just going to go ahead and do this show now. Uh, I have a couple of books out called What Happened in Vegas, and both of these books are actual quotations of things I've heard people say while walking on the Vegas Strip. You guys all know that's one of my favorite things to do. It's one of the only reasons I like to leave the house. If it wasn't for that, I'd probably just be a shut-in, have all my groceries uh, delivered, and just not go anywhere, get rid of my car. Uh, But I live here in a very exciting town. And so I want to go see what's going on. Um, I really, it's its amazing to me. Uh, and the timing of this is actually pretty good because I just this weekend hit my four-year anniversary living here. And it what amazes me the most is that I've been doing my walk for, for a little bit longer than that. Because when I would come up here to visit, I would do a partial walk. Um, and so these books actually originated before I moved here. But even after four years of living here, it's really amazing to me that I still am wowed by living here, by the architecture, by the fact that this was just flat desert and everything that's here was built at one point. And it's astounding to me. And I love that I haven't, that that hasn't been lost on me. Even when I lived in Colorado Springs, you know, when we first moved there, the Rockies are beautiful. There's no doubting that going up there, hiking, rock sliding, whatever you're going to do, uh, it's fun. And it's it, they're really pretty to look at. But after a while, they just became kind of a fixture to me. And it, unless the sun set a certain way or whatever, I kind of stopped noticing them for a while. And I think it's cool that after living here for four years, I can still appreciate the architecture and, and all the effort that went into this and to look at these huge casinos and the fountains and, you know, the lights and the billboards and the, the technology has gotten incredible when it comes to billboards. And just that I can still appreciate it, that I don't walk by and go, well, there's the Mirage again, there's the Ari again, there's the Cosmo, there's the Bellagio. It's, it's something I can still look at and appreciate. And I, I love that. Um, I do switch up the walk a bit here and there. Uh, sometimes I'll head up one side of the street and back on the other. Sometimes I really want to stay on one side of the street. So I'll go up and down that side. Sometimes I go through the uh, planet Hollywood and do the miracle mile. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I go through the Bellagio and, and see the gardens and sometimes I don't. So I, I like to keep it somewhat of a variety, but I usually go from Tropicana down to the forum shops and back uh, sometimes I start at Treasure Island. Sometimes I start at Tropicana. It just depends on what mood I'm in, kind of where I want to be. Sometimes it depends on where I'm going to eat, uh, which I plan to eat somewhere. And then I talk myself out of it. And sometimes I end up not eating at all. It's kind of a weird thing that I do. But I, the point is that I still love going down there after all this time. And I'm really one of the only locals that actually enjoys going down to the Strip. But I remember the first time I came here with my brother and we stayed at Treasure Island and we walked, I believe it was to the Bellagio. And I thought, oh my God, this is so far. It's just, you know, I don't even want to walk back. And I look at it now and that's such a short part of my trip. Uh, The the strip, the the part that I walk is that's just such a minuscule part of it. So it's kind of funny to, to look back at my perception when I first came here versus now 
that I'm so used to it. And the hotels, like the distances don't seem as big of a deal to me. It still takes anywhere between two and a half to three and a half hours to do my walk. It really kind of depends on what time I go. Uh, the earlier you go, uh, obviously there's more people out. If I go at midnight when there's hardly anybody there, or most people are kind of like stumbling around and walking a lot slower, it's easier for me to get around. If I go at dinner time or just before dinner time, then there's a lot more people that are trying to get places and I can't maneuver as quickly. So it really depends on what time I go. Also, what day of the week, if I go on Friday or Saturday, obviously there's going to be more people out there, but there's always a good amount of people at uh, all over the Strip. But what happened was when I would come out here to visit, um, I would hear things that people would say. And, you know, whenever you hear the middle of a conversation, it's completely out of context. Sometimes it can be funny. Uh, sometimes it can just be senseless. But I would hear something that was kind of funny or would strike me as funny. And then I would post it on Facebook or Twitter. And people kind of went nuts for it. So I thought there's got to be something that I can do with these that can kind of, you know, reach a, an audience or maybe build an audience. And I thought, well, I've released a book before, you know, I did my becoming an indie film composer book at that point. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I could do something like that. Maybe I'll do like a coffee table book and just have, you know, some quotes in there and, and some nice pictures. And, uh, and then I looked into what it, what it actually costs to release a, like a coffee table book, you know, like something that's, that's larger than a book in a nice, you know, binder and, and nice paper cover. Uh, and it was just astronomical for what I thought my audience would be. And so I was a little disappointed, but I thought that avenue is not going to, it's not going to reach anybody. Nobody's going to buy that. Okay. Well then I'll do it as a smaller, uh, paperback. And it's, you know, it's, it's larger than a, uh, you know, a regular novel. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not as big as a coffee table book, but it's bigger than a normal size novel. So it kind of has that feeling of a coffee table book without the expense and, and all of that. Um, for pictures, because the quotes are so random, I thought it would be kind of neat to have the pictures be just as random. So you can go anywhere online or, or get a book on Vegas and you can see, you know, nice pictures of the Bellagio fountains and nice pictures of the, the Eiffel tower at Paris or the statue of Liberty at New York, New York. And I just wanted to find things that were completely not something that you would find in one of those venues. So all the pictures are, are very random. And uh, I really kind of like that. I, I think that it worked well. I, I was able to pair some of them with quotes that kind of went along with the picture, but those that wasn't really intentional. I, I just took a bunch of pictures and captured what I captured as far as the quotes go. And there were some that just kind of matched up nicely. So I, I would love to say that that was intentional, but it really was just a matter of, hey, I've got this quote and I think I have a picture that might go good with that. And then I would find that picture and match them up and there you go. Of course, all that's just, you know, you might not think it matches up and maybe now I would or wouldn't, but in the moment, that was kind of what I went for. So I I wasn't sure how big to make it or how many things to collect. So I just kept collecting them. And when I got to about 450, I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, it was a little bit before that, actually. And I thought, okay, I'll get a few more and then I'll I'll start working on the book. And at the time, I was a little more freed up. So I was walking two or three nights a week. And right now, if I can, I'm getting one a week and uh, I really need to try and get out there at least once a week, if not twice, just for the exercise. Um, not the healthiest place to walk with all the cigarette and pot smoke and loud music, but 
but a good place to to walk and it's interesting if I walk around my neighborhood that's kind of boring especially when I have a street like that to go and and peruse so uh at the time I was doing about two to three walks a week and um it was pretty easy to collect uh, a good amount of things. And it really didn't matter what night uh, Friday and Saturday weren't necessarily better than Tuesday or Wednesday. It's just who you happen to be around, what you happen to catch and and just whenever somebody happened to say something. So I would, um, I would hear somebody say something and then I would kind of back off a bit and get away to, uh, to a place where I could record that into my, you know, either text it to myself or into a voice recorder. And then I would come home and I would transcribe all the things that I heard into a spreadsheet. And that's how I kept track of them. Um, and then, you know, I kind of looked at them and there's not really an order to them, but there's certain things that like these two are kind of similar. So I'm going to split those up. Um, so there was a little bit of editing involved, but for the most part, they just kind of went mainly in the order that I heard them. Um, sometimes if I was pairing it with a picture, I might move it a couple of pages down where I was going to do a single picture and one quote instead of two pictures or three pictures or three quotes on a page. Um, but other than that, there wasn't really a lot of editing. It was mostly, uh, just spelling grammar checking. Um, if they said it in a way that was not proper grammar, I put it as it was, but some of the things as I transcribe them, you know, of course you're doing voice text and voice text never comes out the way you want it to, especially when you're trying to hurry. Um, so a lot of them, I, I ended up not being able to use because I couldn't remember what they actually said and I couldn't decipher what my text was. So, and you can't really do the voice recording too much because it's really loud out there and you're not really going to be able to hear what you're saying into the speaker of the phone or, uh, I'm sorry, into the microphone. So, um, I had to drop a lot of the things that I heard. So then I was like, okay, well now I only have, you know, 420. So now I got to go back and do some more. So then I would go out for a couple more nights. And I remember the last night that I went out, I got like 24, I think it was. And uh, I thought, well, that's great because now I could just start working on the book, which I started working on the next day. Um, so it's, it's a lot of tedious work to construct it, to make sure that the, um, the margins and everything on each page are, are exact so that as you're flipping through the book, you have consistency, um, especially because it's going to depend on the size of the quote. If it's one, two or three or four lines, if, um, if there's three quotes, one quote, two quotes um, to get everything to line up and make sure that it's, it's accurate and even from one to another is a, a little bit painstaking, but in the end it, it uh, you know, becomes kind of quick. And then if you go back and you adjust something on page 17, well, now it throws everything else off that's behind that. So you have to make that adjustment to uh, put everything else back in line that follows it. And uh, the publishing part is is actually really easy. Um, I used CreateSpace through Amazon to do the book. And you can get it on Kindle or in print. Um, I edited the Kindle version a little bit differently uh, because it, it didn't, you know, it doesn't flow exactly the same when you're reading a paperback book. Uh, the Kindle size uh, of the page is a little bit different. So I wanted to make the quotes readable. So I used a different font, which then changed the size of each page uh, or, the, or the viewing of the size of each page to make it readable. So there was a little bit of, uh, of difference, but all of the content is exactly the same. It's just a matter of how it's laid out from one to another. So you're not gaining or losing anything going from one version to the other. Um, I like, I actually really like the print books. I think that the uh, the cover art came out really nice and crisp. The lettering came out great. Um, 
I like the the yellow and white color scheme that seems to work. Um, unfortunately, the the girl that I had on this, um, I no longer work with. So everything that I do now um, is through my friend Rebecca Poole, who does an amazing job with uh, with the lettering. And uh, on these books, I do the covers myself, the artwork. Uh, for the first one, I uh, I used a picture that I purchased online that was a great aerial shot because I don't have a helicopter, believe it or not. And I don't have access to a helicopter in Vegas to where I could get a good aerial shot myself. Um, the second book, the cover is actually a picture that I took of Caesar's Palace. And uh, I think it came out great. It's slightly blurry, which I liked because, you know, when you read the phrases and things, it's pretty much a drunken ramble a lot of times. And it's pretty obvious that people are influenced by something that they've taken. And I'll leave it to whatever that might have been. So I kind of like that it's not crisp. In fact, the, the first book, the cover is, is slightly blurry as well, too. Even the lettering on the Cosmopolitan at the top is just not perfectly in focus, which I like. I think that was one of the things that originally attracted me to it was that it was not a perfectly crisp photo. Um, so I had fun with that. And then uh, my brother Lee helped me do the sizing because when you when you do a print edition, the size of the cover actually depends on how many pages it is, which makes sense because the art has to stretch from the top cover all the way around the spine and then to the back, unless you mold, you know, merge three pieces together or two pieces together. Uh, it, it has to fit so that when the book is printed, the picture looks right, the spine looks right, everything's lined up nicely, depending on how many pages. So you can't really even start that process until you're done with the book itself because you don't know how thick it's going to be. And that's obviously going to affect the work. And it's kind of a, you know, it's one of those things where I really don't like to waste time. Um, I like to work as efficiently as I can. That helps me get more things done. So if I were to start the cover, I mean, I, I'll get the picture, but if I were to start actually working on the cover, have him work on the cover, and I don't know how big the book's going to be yet, then it's really kind of a waste of time because a lot of work that you do would have to be redone. So why bother starting that until it's time to actually work on that? And you can just do it once. Seems to make sense to me anyway. So the uh, the first book uh, came out. I had the 450 phrases and uh, did the Amazon upload. Had to retest a lot with Kindle to to really get it to work. The second book went much more smoothly because I I didn't have to... I knew what I was getting into going into editing it for Kindle. So I was able to avoid a lot of the problems I had with the first one. And it was really all just alignment and trying to understand how it worked on Kindle. Uh, and then having to export a copy, send it to my Kindle, wait for it to show up, upload it, then go through and look page by page and then go, oh, okay, I found an error here. I got to fix this page. If I read the whole thing, then everything's going to be affected by that one and repeating the process. And because it's such a picture heavy book, it took a long time to render and then upload to my Kindle. So that really was a lengthy process. And like I said, fortunately, on the second one, that wasn't as much of a chore as it was on the first. But they were they were fun. I mean, you know, just put some music on, uh, had a movie or two playing, you know, at different times while I was just editing, because it's 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 something that you need to, to focus on and do right. But at the same point, it's like I, I wasn't creating anything. I wasn't really using my brain so I could have an external uh, sound source on. Uh, it was really fun. And uh, then I put the, put the first book out and I got some good feedback on it. And then, you know, there's always somebody 
no matter what you do. And I've ta- we've talked about this with some of the guests on the show. There's always somebody that has to just say something that isn't necessary just to say something. And there was one person, you know, and I don't mind negative feedback or I don't mind people not liking my work and saying that they didn't like it if it's, there's a legitimate reason. Um, if there's something about the music, something about a pitch or, or, or something that, that kind of didn't really make you happy or whatever, those things are all acceptable. And, and you realize that tastes are subjective, but one person had, had put on Amazon, they gave me a one star and said that it wasn't what they wanted it to be. You know, they were looking for a Vegas story, something more in the way of a novel. And I really felt I was pretty clear in the description of what the book was, that this wasn't a story, that this was really a bunch of things that I just heard people say. Uh, I didn't think I could be clear, but I really emphasized that point when I put out the second one and didn't get any feedback like that at all. So it really taught me to, you know, go the extra mile in the description, make sure that people really understand what they're getting. If they choose not to read it, the description before they purchase it. And I kind of feel like that's what this person might have done. I think if they read the description, then they wouldn't have purchased it. Uh, or maybe they would have and still been disappointed. I don't know. But, you know, this stuff affects artists and it's really important to leave accurate feedback, leave reasonable feedback. There's nothing wrong with saying you didn't like something. But to just say, I didn't like it because it wasn't what I wanted to read, that's not really feedback on the book. That's feedback on your inability to dis, you know, to really pay attention to what you're purchasing. Unless, again, uh, my description wasn't worded properly. But I've gone back and read it, and I think it was pretty clear. So in a case like that, if it were me and I didn't like a book, I probably wouldn't leave feedback on it if it was just something where I it was something I should have known I wouldn't have liked. But at the same point, now, if I was like, you know, just a warning, the pictures are really blurry. There's there's not a lot of good pictures. Um, it's just a bunch of random phrases. You know, if that's not your thing, that's okay, because that's going to let people know this is what the book is. And, you know, enter at your own risk. You may or may not like this style, but I'm going to further give a description based on my experience with the book. That's helpful. And I don't really consider that negative feedback, even if they give a one-star rating and they're like, here's what I didn't like about it. That's fine because that's productive. That's going to help warn other people that may not like that not to buy the book and not waste their time and not leave more negative feedback just to say the same thing the other person did. So I'm okay with that, but it's all subjective. And I realize that as an artist, if you're going to put yourself out there, you take the risk and that's all there is to it. If you can't handle that kind of feedback, if you can't handle people saying things that don't make you smile, then putting stuff out there for for the world to judge and they're going to is probably not the best thing. So I take it with a grain of salt. Uh, sorry, the guy didn't like the book, but I think uh, I think he kind of walked in getting something he wasn't going to like. Um, I think he even said, "I'm a Vegas junkie," and I don't I don't really know what that means because it. it it's different experience for everybody. It depends on what you like. You know, there's people that just come here to go to the shows and they wait around all day. They really don't do much. And then at nighttime comes and they go to dinner and a show. Uh, then, you know, they go back to their room until the next day when it's time to go to a show. And there's people that, you know, like me kind of liked doing it all. I mean, I'm not really a gambler, but you know, I like walking. I like going to restaurants. I like, uh, going to the shows. There's so many wonderful shows to see here. Um, 
some of the shows I've recently seen that that and I always do um like a uh, a small blog on the show that just kind of lets people know a little bit about it to see if they might be interested in seeing it. But um, Absinthe was uh, one I saw recently uh, for the first time, and I absolutely loved it. Opium, which is another Spiegel World show like Absinthe, was fantastic. They just hit their one-year anniversary. Very excited to see the new show that's coming in September. Um, I don't know if it's going to have uh, live musicians or not. Absinthe did not, but Opium did. So I don't know uh, which one this is going to be, but uh, it should be interesting anyway. And and just a heads up on this one, like I would leave feedback on the book. Um, they're very, very, very heavily sexual shows. Uh, when I say that, I don't mean orgy-wise. I mean comedy, you know, sexual comedy, a lot of references, a lot of, you know, visuals, a lot of uh, innuendos and things. So uh, if you're okay with that, then there are great shows to go see. If you're somebody who does not want to be involved with that kind of material, I would say go see a different show. There are plenty of them here. Um, Spiegel World shows probably would not be for you. But if you're okay with it, get down there because they're amazing. What I love about those shows too is that they are – the stages are so small, but they do so much with that room. And I, I absolutely love that. And uh, and in my blog, I did say one thing about absinthe that I really, really disliked, which was the seating. Um, you know, the, the chairs are, are small wooden chairs, and they're not the most comfortable, but you can get through a couple hours on it. What I didn't like was that they are just so smushed together that you are going to be touched by the people next to you all night long, whether you like it or not. And the, the, there's no room for people to walk through if so you have to almost get up on your chair to let somebody pass you by if they've gotten up to get a drink or go to the bathroom or whatever um really uncomfortable and i get that the theaters are small and they're trying to cram as many people in there as possible without shows uh ticket sales they're they're not going to be able to continue and i can understand that but it's just so uncomfortable uh to get through so um opium was better uh, opium was was much more comfortable and absinthe was just um just a, a crush fest when it comes to the seating, but the show is fantastic. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, the, the audio quality in both theaters is fantastic. Um, the shows are amazing. So, uh, you know, when you come to town, maybe put those on your list of uh, shows that you might want to check out, but let's get back to the book. So, um, just to give you an idea of, of where this all originated, I, the first one I can really remember well before I think I'd even come to Vegas might've been that, that year, that same year, but I was working at Wells Fargo and I remember we had these dual cubicles where there was a filing, uh, like a, a table size filing cabinet in between. And then two people would sit in one cubicle. And, um, I was walking through the underwriting department cause it was the mortgage division and there was a guy and a girl that sat in one of those dual cubicles and she just popped out of her chair and put her hands on her hips and said, well, I'm glad you think I'm better than a small monkey. Where do you go with that? I, I had so many questions. I mean, first of all, why wasn't she better than a medium monkey? Why was he even comparing her to a, a monkey of any size? I mean, there were so many things. And I realized we hear these things all day. All the time we hear people walking by saying something, we walk by somebody saying something, we hear these fragments or middles of conversations, but sometimes there's little gems in there that are really particularly interesting like that. And I never 
talk to them about it. I didn't want to know what was behind it because just that in and of itself was kind of interesting. And then I, you know, I kind of just would hear things now and then, but I started to pay attention to it a little more. So when I started coming to Vegas, um, it was really easy to to pick up on these things because there's so much of it that goes on around you, whether uh, even in the daytime, just hearing middles of conversations uh, as you're walking around in a hotel or on the strip. But obviously, you know, the later it gets into the night and the more people are tired or the substances are kicking in or, you know, whatever they're doing, it gets more and more interesting. And uh, so, like I said, I would just go, oh, that was interesting. And I would kind of remember it or I'd type it up on Facebook or whatever. And uh, and then we're, you know, people are digging it. And I like to do things that make people happy. So why not? And uh, and people dug it. So I got, uh, you know, I got some, some good uh, feedback on Amazon for doing the book. And I've had a lot of people contact me and say that even, you know, even now it's been a couple of years since the first one came out and they just kind of leave it out. And every once in a while, when they want to smile, they'll just open it to a random page and read something and flip to another page and read something. And that was really what I wanted. I wanted to have something that, yeah, it's not something that you're just going to sit down and read from cover to cover, because if you do, it just kind of gets old. Uh, it, it, you know, it kind of loses that that thing because you're not really, each one isn't special, you know? And I remember on the, on the office when they were going over uh, all the pranks that Jim had pulled on Dwight, and he says, you know, one after another, they just don't sound that great. And I think that's kind of the same thing with books like this, where you're just reading phrases. They they really just kind of, after a bunch of them, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. But if you just open it randomly, then it's kind of something, you know? So that was the idea behind the book and why I wanted to do it as a coffee table book, because that's more the thing that you would do with something like that. So I, I love that. I love that people enjoyed it. I love that it made people laugh. And, uh, you know, that's why I did it. And that's why I put these books out and, uh, you know, they're still out today. And the links, of course, are, are in the description to the Amazon pages where you can either get it in print or Kindle. I still do have a couple of uh, print editions. So if you want an autograph copy, send me an email to scott at scotthaskin.com. And if I still have some, then uh, I can get you one of those. Um, but, you know, just just the idea of opening something to a random page, that's what I'm going to do right now. And we'll just see what we find. Um Okay, so here's here's a perfect one. And and I happen to actually have a picture right at where this happened. So I put this on the page. It was inside of uh, Planet Hollywood Hotel. And uh, you know, a lot of these I actually do remember hearing, even though there's there's been so many. I actually remember when I heard them. And the one thing that you lose in in paper, just like you do uh in in a text message or an email, you lose the inflection. You don't have the the mood, the pitch, the excitement, the sadness the drunkenness, whatever, you know, voice or tone was used, you really miss out on that. So that's the one thing that I unfortunately couldn't find a way to express with the book itself. So I'm walking around Planet Hollywood, I'm in the Miracle Mile, and I hear this girl say, why are you carrying five pounds of cheese? And the guy's response was, I thought we might need it later. You know, and then of course, so many questions come to mind, like, well, what would you need a pound of cheese for? You know, let alone five. That's a lot to carry around, I think. You know, and so just one of those things I heard, I thought, huh, that's uh that's kind of neat. So I'll put it in the book, you know. Um and then uh there was another one I heard that said, uh, oh, you scared me. I thought we lost the satellite phone and we were never gonna get off this island. 
well, obviously Vegas is not an island and don't really need a satellite phone. I mean, there's plenty of communication devices, police, uh, security, maid service, concierge, bell desk people. I mean, there's you know plenty of uh, help that you can get. Um, another one, uh, this guy was very, very drunk. And he kept trying to hold this girl's hand and she just kept shaking him off. And I don't know, you know, obviously I don't know what was happening that led up to this. Um, but she said to him finally, you know, when I add up all the stuff, you're worth about four or five, maybe 600 bucks to me. And then he just kind of, you know, his jaw dropped open and they kept walking. And, uh, you just never know, you know what you're going to see, but that's the randomness of it. That's, that's the stuff I love. And I, I, somebody who really kind of shies away from people for the most part, um, the the one place I don't is walking down the strip and I I'm willing to put up with the traffic and the shoving and the rudeness and the just, you know, walking out through a door into a, into to a crowd of people without paying any attention to who's there and whose way you might be getting in. I mean, there, there really is a lot of that and it's unfortunate, but that's how people are. And it's, it's really the one place I'm willing to put up with all of that because I enjoy just being down there so much. Uh, I, I don't know why I would be willing to put up with that why I wouldn't just go later, but, uh, I just go when I feel like going. And that's the great thing because it's so much of it is 24 hours. I mean, a lot of the shops aren't open overnight. The shows are at the time the shows are not all of the restaurants are 24 hours, obviously, but there's always a sundry shop. If you need to get something to snack on or drink, most of the hotels have a 24 hour restaurant, um, or the next hotel over will have one. In case you're hungry, there's plenty of places to get stuff. So even though it's not a fully operational 24 hours, and and it makes sense, there's not enough people walking around at three in the morning to keep all these restaurants and stores open, but there's enough to, you know, keep, keep something reasonable open, something available for people. And I just enjoy it. You know, it's, it's a different experience every single night, even though I'm walking in the exact same places every time. So that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. That's why I put the books out. And then, of course, the I got enough positive feedback on the first one to where I thought, I really want to do a second one. I think that there's, you know, obviously there's an endless amount of material. I could go out every night and come home with something. I don't have the time, but I, as far as material goes, there's plenty enough out there. And so I did the second one. I did part deuce, which is obviously a play on numbers and the gambling thing here in Vegas. I've started collecting for a third one, but since I don't go out as much, it's been a much slower process. And I don't know if a a third one will go out. I got good feedback on the second one. It did pretty much as well as the first one. But when I look at the time involved to actually put it together, how much effort it takes, opposed to anything else I could be doing, whether I'm doing another project or not. And, you know, I've been busy being hired to do a couple of things here and there, plus the other albums I'm trying to get out and things I'm writing. Um, it's it's just kind of a trade-off. You know, I everything that you do is trading one thing for another. And I don't know if I'll put a third one out. I'm still collecting. And, you know, if I hit enough phrases, I think I have enough pictures, uh, but I can always go out one night, and grab a bunch more. So we'll see. I, I don't know. Uh, time will tell on that. If I get the uh, the itch, I guess I'll put it out. And if I don't, then, well, there's there's still 900 phrases out there available for 
people to pick up and read at any time. And, you know, this isn't one of those things where it matters what order you even get the books in or what order you read them in, because it's literally just 400 ran- 450 random phrases per book. So there's no time frame, there's no order, there's no following a story. It's just you open it up, you pick something, and hopefully it makes you smile. That being said, uh, I hope that anyone that, uh, that has read it has enjoyed it, whether they've uh, contacted me or not. I really hope that uh, you guys check it out and see if it's something that you might enjoy or if you know someone else that might enjoy it to recommend it to them. One thing that's really cool about Amazon, um, the way that their shop works, is that you can also gift to other people. So you could purchase something. In fact, I had a book that was gifted to me and I wanted to gift it to somebody else and I accidentally went and tried to purchase it uh, by mistake. And the system even said, it looks like you already have this are you sure you want to proceed? And I realized that I clicked the purchase link instead of the link to the page where I could go and gift it to someone else. For uh, for obvious reasons, you need to just know their email, whatever email their Amazon account is on. I think uh, you might be able to just do whatever email. But for, yeah, because even if you buy the Kindle, it just goes to their email and then they click a link to go into their account and then download it to their Kindle. So I don't even think it has to be the Amazon associated email Uh, but obviously something that they need to get. And then it's a good idea to contact that person and let them know to keep an eye out for it because that could end up in their junk mail. They may not know that you've gifted something to them and then you're out the money and they didn't get the book. So uh, a little helpful tip. And uh, it's, it's a cool idea. Like, I love that. If you really like something and you have someone that you think will like it too, share it with them, you know? And obviously I, I ask this all the time in every podcast, leave feedback. You know, if if you want to give it a one-star rating because you didn't like it, that's fine. Give it a one-star rating. If you have something helpful, um, do a little write-up, you know, say why you didn't like it. Maybe you're going to help prevent somebody from wasting their time and money, but maybe the thing that you don't like about it will also be something that someone else does and it might make them check the book out when they might not have. So I think the feedback stuff is really important. The thing is, is I, I just want it always to be honest and reasonable. As long as it's honest and reasonable, I have no issue with it. Uh, I, I'm just glad that people connected with it, that it interested them enough to purchase it and to take the time to read it, read as much as they did, whether they finished it or not, I don't know. Um, but it's always great to, for an artist, I mean, the greatest thing is for people to connect with the things that you create. And just like with my symphony, you know, I got some really nice feedback about how it touched some people and, uh, other people just said, Hey, I really liked it. This was cool. This was fun. Uh, and other people felt a more emotional connection to it. And to me as an artist, it's all good. As long as I'm creating things that that connect with people somehow in a positive light, then I'm very happy. If the things that I do don't make people happy, then, you know, what what's the point of putting it out there? Uh, you just hope that it does when you do. And uh, we, we market and annoy everybody with uh, seeing the same ads or the same pictures over and over to say, Hey, this is out there. I know you know about it, but I'm trying to reach other people that don't know about it or maybe haven't given it a chance yet. Um, It's tough with the book because I I really didn't want to do like an audio commercial or a montage or anything like that. So I just put, you know, a phrase up here and there with links to the book to, for people to check out. So anyway, I hope you did. I hope you liked it. And uh, like I said, please do leave a feedback or at least a star rating. Um, there won't be any audiobook version or anything like that because the, you know, like I said, to recapture all those inflections and everything would just not really work. 
So uh, it stands in print and uh, check it out. Tell your friends and enjoy. Thank you very much for uh, listening to episode 39 of the Haskin Cast podcast. I know it's probably uh, droning on with just my voice and no musical interludes or anything like that, but uh, this is about a book. So uh, recently I just did release, uh, I'll let you know, another video called uh, On to Spring, which is on my YouTube channel, and I'll have the link in there. Um, it's just a short three-minute clip of some water I shot over at the Mirage to a new piece of relaxation music that I wrote. Um, I think especially after the premiere of Game of Thrones, everybody could kind of use something to just kind of calm their brain down a bit. Uh, but uh, but that's there for for everyone to check out. And of course, the symphony is on SoundCloud. Uh, this was my fourth symphony that I wrote, but the first one that I thought was ready to release. I've got work to go back and do on the others before I re-release them as well. Uh, just, you know, some updates and better sound and um, a, a little bit better writing because I was very young in my career when I wrote the first three. And uh, I think that they could use uh, a little bit more uh, maturity to them. Very happy with what I wrote for where I was at the time, but to release them now and have them be judged with other things that I've done, I just don't think that they're quite up to par for that yet. So there is plenty of more exciting things coming. Um, I've got my first novel is in editing, um, but my editor is very, very busy. So she doesn't have as much time to dedicate it um, as would be nice, but she's a very, very talented musician and a very talented writer as well. So I'm not in, in any way going to complain. She's doing a great job with it. And I think it's one of those things that when it's meant to come out, that'll be the right time for it to come out and I'll be okay with that. Uh, so that's uh, some more good stuff coming up. And in the meantime, uh, we'll have a new guest for you next week. Hopefully uh, the scheduling will work out a little better. And uh, we'll be able to bring you a new guest next Wednesday. Uh, it's actually Tuesday night uh, that I'm recording this. So I'll uh, get this through the uh, uh, IDC, uh, which is the uh, dialogue controller that I use to mute out any background noise like my computer fan. Uh, it is a wonderful, wonderful product. And I, I'm very, very proud uh, of the fact that uh, Audionamics, who is the company that makes it, featured my quote about it on their website that what used to take me hours now takes me seconds to clean up. And that's very true. Uh, as well as uh, doing a little feature on uh, the use of it, how easy it is to work with. And they used uh, a clip of my episode with Natasha Larry of the podcast to show how easy it is to uh, to use. And then they featured the podcast on their page. So thank you guys. I'm, I'm very, very flattered that you did that. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And I look forward to another guest next week and another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. Cheers. <laughs>